Hey everybody, this is Francisco from Sports Goose. This is another entry in SG Mini, a mini version of our show. We'll see how mini it'll be because, well, I, I, uh, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm driving someplace right now for it's Easter weekend. I'm, I'm going to visit my family, and it's just me. I'm still, I'm, I've been busy with work, so I haven't really been able to tinker around with the show. And we're in the last week of our normal four-week break, letting some things accumulate, and things are accumulating right now. And that's where I, I will talk about some of the stuff that has accumulated within the news and sports news and all that stuff. And really, it's it's I mean we're we're at a point where when we get back to the show it'll be the last week of the regular season for the NHL it'll be well we're we're close to the end of April so we'll we'll have a bit of gauge on some teams for major league baseball remember there was a shortened spring training so i i don't really think we'll get to see who the real or what team's real true selves will be until I would say mid-May, mid-May. I still think the entire month of April is essentially like the spring training feeling, even though the games are counting. But by mid-May, mid-May, and maybe even the end of May, We'll have an actual real ID, ID idea, <laughs> real ID. That's that's some of my work coming into the conversation here, but a real idea of which teams are for real contenders, especially with this expanded playoffs, and which teams are going to be tanking for the draft lottery. I I guess I'll I'll give a review as as to my most recent experience in baseball, which was I went to a Marlins game. So I went to the second home game of the season for the Marlins. I uh, took a lovely lady with me, and we went down into the, what's ca- it's called the Recess Sports Lounge. Recess is like like the show, Recess, or you know, when, when you're in school, like in elementary school, Recess. So the Recess Sports Lounge, and that's the area beyond the left field fence over at Lone Depot Park. It's where the Clevelander used to be back when the Marlins opened the stadium and lasted until 2020. And I have to say that the spot is... I really don't think... There's, there's some differences. Let's, let's start with that. So if you've ever been there before... It is still a club atmosphere. It's called the Recess Sports Lounge, so it's a yeah, like a like a sport, like a club style style atmosphere, much like the Clevelander. There's a DJ. There's there's uh, all kinds of yeah music and things going on. There's a bar. There are scantily clad waitresses. Uh, it, it's it's mostly filled with uh, high top tables, and then. 
which was back there, back in the, the days of the, of the old Clevelander, and there was a bar, of course, uh, where you could sit down and, and, uh, and order your, your drinks and, and, and eat food as well. And with nice plush seatings, plush velvet, Marlins blue seating, let's just say, that's that color scheme. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, foliage, fit, faux foliage, but still foliage. I, I like seeing faux foliage. I, I think that was a, a lot of things that in the, that they've made uh, a habit of in in this ballpark is using a lot of faux foliage. Even though I think it could they they could use it in some other areas and some areas they should cut back, especially uh, the areas where you can clearly tell the Marlins have brought the fences in. Uh, the, that faux foliage that they're using there is kind of not really that appealing looking. However, however, let's let's stick to the Recess Sports Lounge. Uh, you get in and it's uh, you can buy an actual ticket to go inside uh, and sit down because there is one row of seating in front of the left field fence. In the past, when it was the Clevelander, there were about, I would say, three or so rows of seating. And they ripped out much of those seats, and in the second and third level where seats used to be, they have now uh, increased the space and made it so that you can have tables there. And tables so people can sit down, eat, and drink their foods while still watching the game from beyond the left field fence. So, so they've got two tiers of that, but the bottom tier is where they have actual seating, and you can basically you're 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 at field level. You're at field level. So that's the that's the the, the changes between that and the Clevelander uh, with regards to the seating. They removed the pool. That was the that was the other thing. They removed the pool. A lot of people have been bemoaned the removal of the pool. But, and I talked with a fan that was sitting next to me uh, at the game, and we, we talked about the changes that they made here, and he's like, he asked me, did you guys ever use the pool that was here? I'm like, I don't think anybody used it. I think they probably used it for like the first month that the Marlins uh, opened that, that, that ballpark, and then after that, it was just, it was just there. And uh, my opinion was, why have a pool that nobody uses in your you're trying to upkeep that. You have some guy measuring the pH balance for a pool that nobody uses. It doesn't make any realistic sense to try and upkeep a pool that nobody is going to be using. So the Marlins just cut the cost. Just like, all right, just fill it with cement and and uh, we'll we'll just have more space, more and and, if, and it did increase the space because that pool really did take up a lot of space. It did increase the floor space for them to do things there, events, and, and add more tables, more of those high-top tables, and, and a space for people to hang out and, and listen to music, dance after the game. Um, it's very much the same vibe from before, except now it just doesn't have the Clevelander moniker, and they, they've ripped out a lot of seating and have... Uh, have I guess it cut it cut costs, but at the same time, they're they've they found something that goes there. And it, honestly, really, there was nothing else that they could have done. I think with that space, because most 
I guess most uh, most uh, stadiums, arenas have some sort of club slash lounge area for people to congregate at. A lot of the uh, NBA arenas, NHL arenas, starting to get them. Uh, NFL stadiums have them now, and the Marlins were one. Of, I, I think the Marlins were one of the first to really include that in their their stuff for for for, for a baseball stadium. So. I, I don't I don't see uh, any other place that they, they could have done something like that and, and really it, it really is the only space for that um, there's still other ideas that I would like for Lone Depot Park given the space that they have there's there's a notable portion of the left field concourse out beyond in left field they've they made they've utilized some space but i think there's there's room for improvement in other aspects i think the i honestly think the marlins have too many seats at that stadium given given the state of affairs for the team but also the state of affairs of, of baseball and even sports in general the viewing public like less people are going to the games anyways so I, I think they could do with removing like 2,000 seats from that stadium and then utilizing portions of the upper deck or, or even the right field upper deck and trying to utilize that space to I don't know include like a kids area or something I think the Chicago White Sox did that back in uh back at Guaranteed Rate Field, where they, they, they created some sort of uh, upper left field, uh, beyond the left field seats, like a, a kid's area, and the Marlins have a little bit of a kid's area, but it's it's just like a tiny little play area, I, I can't really tell you the amount of square feet it would be, maybe like 200 square feet, it's not a big space. Where Billy the Marlin will eventually be there to take photos with kids. And then next to that is like a VR home run derby game that they have. Where you can, uh, they put on like an HTC Vive. And you get like a little, like a, a bat, a virtual bat to hold in your hands. And you're, you're doing a home run derby at Lone Depot Park. And people can watch you and how to see how you're doing. Um... And then there's, gosh, uh, that, that's really it. And next to that is the sweets area where they sell ice cream and, and things. So that, that's kind of, I guess that's, it makes sense that they have it there next to where the kids are. But there's not much more they can do. I, I get there, they have the, the, the left field windows there that open up so they can't really have anything that's near those tracks and that'll get in the way of that so they don't crush things but I, 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 I'm saying that they can remedy that problem by creating something in the upper deck of right field for kids because uh, I think I still think they'd still like to utilize the upper deck of uh, the grandstand but for any future success that they may have however it's it's really uh, the marlins are kind of in a weird spot they've they've opened this ballpark it's 10 years old now 
and yet they have yet to entice people to to come and it's really because the team has been terrible all this time however I still think they failed to make do or, or on on any of their promises that they made about that ballpark when it was built it's still lacking in things. They've improved it since the Bruce Sherman bought the team. But it is still not as good as other newer ballparks that I've seen, or even older ballparks. Heck, um, like I can understand Fenway Park not having some amenities because of... But its appeal is the fact that it's it's old. Same thing with Wrigley Field. But Wrigley Field has had a massive amount of improvements to it. And Dodger Stadium. I really think, and I honestly think, I don't know if anybody from the... I'm sure somebody from the Marlins has seen it. But they start yeah, they got to start picking at stuff from other teams. And from what I've seen, there are things that... Even like the Tampa Bay Rays... I've done things that I'm like, why haven't the Marlins done anything like this? There's The Rays have a baseball museum at Tropicana Field. The Marlins don't have anything like that at all. They've won two World Series championships. South Florida has a rich history of baseball, from spring training to a bunch of guys that are in the majors right now. Players train here all the time. But they, they, and yet, yeah, I mean, the success, the University of Miami, uh, baseball team, there, there's just so much history down here. Andre Dawson's from down here. Satchel Page pitched down here. Teams had spring training, legendary teams. The New York Yankees had spring training here for decades. I... I don't know how they're just missing all of these opportunities to highlight baseball history. So that that's that's a failure on their part. Uh, and the same thing with uh, uh, Truist Park in Atlanta. The Braves, the Braves' home, is that it's it is a lot of their their grand, their, their their concourse. Is dedicated to their history, and yes, they they're an old team, they're an ancient team, and they they pull back their their franchise history all to, all the ways back to the days when they were in Boston. But I mean, they 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 really trot out the entire history of that team. Hey, they got the World Series trophies out there. They got a big, giant, massive statue of Hank Aaron inside. It, it, it's just. It's it's good. It's beautiful. The and uh, the Washington Nationals weren't that great, but they had a similar esque section. But it wasn't as as I don't know well executed. Maybe it's gotten better now that they've won a World Series. They have some history to highlight, but uh, I think they could do a little bit better. I mean, the Senators weren't that great of a team way back when, but they did win a World Series, so that, there's something there, and they don't really touch too much on their history as the Montreal Expos, but 
uh, there's still history back there, and they can work with that. But, but it, it's it's just that man that the the Marlins have stuff that they can highlight there. Other issues around Marlins Park or Lone Depot Park, what do you want to call it, where the Marlins play, is they they really haven't figured out how to handle a large crowd. From what I've read from people who went on opening day, and it was problems that I experienced on opening day in 2013. Their first their first opening day in 2012, they were pretty they were ready for a massive crowd. They really were. They they put out all the stops to make sure that people could get in and out really quickly. Uh, I don't know how much they spent on it, but they spent money to make sure that it was a smooth experience for the most part. And I guess trying to entice people like, this is going to be the way it's going to be all the time. So you can get in and out of the game real nicely. But opening day 2013, they cut back. And it was insane. It took us an hour just to get inside the stadium. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Uh, And from what I read on Twitter, fans had the same experience. And I'm like, how is this happening years later? years later, and it's pretty much the same reasons why I look at the area surrounding Lone Depot Park, and I'm like, how has this not improved years later? The same old homes, the same abuelo and abuela sitting out there trying to get you to park in their yard so they can make a, a couple bucks for that night, like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense that the Marlins have this 10-year-old ballpark and other stadiums when they're built, it's they're built as the anchor for a whole revitalization of the neighborhood. And the Marlins have not done it yet. The Atlanta Braves Stadium, I'm going back to the Braves and as much as I hate the Braves, they got a lot of things right. They're a very well-run organization. And and man, the, the area surrounding Truist Park is amazing. From what I've read, the St. Louis Cardinals built a ballpark village around their their stadium, and there's raving reviews for it. The the Kansas City Royals maybe look at trying to get a new ballpark, even though they just renovated their their current one, and I wouldn't want them to move. But they want something similar to, I guess, what St. Louis has uh, in downtown to, 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 because I guess they can't do anything like that to get revenue. Especially, it's all revenue. It's all just to get more more streamlined for, for monies uh, uh, from hotels and businesses and rentals and stuff like that from, this, from the side. You know, just owning property around the side and getting some of that sweet, sweet real estate money. Uh, and they can't really do that at a publicly owned stadium in a publicly owned giant parking lot next to a football stadium. Uh, or unless the publicly owned parking lot decides to become a little more privatized, which is what the Angels are trying to do with their ideas for renovating the area around Angels Stadium of Anaheim and, and the Ducks uh, Arena as well, Honda Center. So other teams and are looking for 
new ways to just make their it's, their stadiums not just a giant parking lot when they are like that or uh, or building the ballpark in a city center of some sort and then revitalizing the neighborhood around it and, and creating something new the Marlins haven't done that at all the Yankees I mean they're in New York they're, they just built a new version of Yankee Stadium right next to the old one, tore out the old one. The old one, the new Yankee Stadium was a park. They told their, they, they, they tore down the old one. It's basically, they flipped, <laughs> flipped properties. The park is now the new Yankee Stadium. The old Yankee Stadium is now a park. That was pretty simple. The Chicago Cubs, Wrigley Field, they've made major improvements to the stadium. And they built a village of of, of like condos and, and businesses and stuff around it to make the area more enticing. And it's like when you go to a game, it's an entire experience. You go there, you you get there before the game, have some whatever, whatever. Then you go after the game to this and that. And also, baseball isn't played year-round. It kind of feels that way in a sense, but... It's really April to October if your team's lucky enough to go through the entire playoffs and win the World Series. But April through October. And then it's just that ballpark is just sitting there. November, December, January, February, March, maybe early March the season starts, maybe late October or early October the season ends. But you've got five months of, of the building not being used. Now the Marlins have done a better job of of having events at the stadium, the Monster Jam, where they had like a racing thing where they they made asphalt inside of the stadium and had like a little racing competition uh, between like F1 drivers and NASCAR drivers and Indy drivers. That that was pretty cool to see. Uh, they've had concerts uh, 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 Kanye West just had one uh, in February Beyonce's had a concert had a concert there so it's it's uh, they've had football the FIU beat the hurricanes they they used to have a, a bowl game there and occasionally they'll have uh, they'll have some private stuff and religious stuff there. But there's nothing to get you to come back to the area around the ballpark. Just the ballpark and that's it. And a lot of teams don't like that. They would rather have year Yeah, so they need uh, year-round revenue. These teams need... I'm just saying. I'm just talking as a selfish Marlins fan, because I, I would really love for the Marlins to get more money, so that they can actually spend it and get players and or keep the good players that they have. <laughs> because as much as this current ownership says, yeah, we're gonna do all the all the things that the fans want. We're gonna keep our guys. We're 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 gonna go out and sign the big guy. They haven't done it. They extended Sandy Alcantara. That's fine. He's going to get his money. But can they keep them all? 
and if they don't have them all, or or they they've got a hole that they need to, to fill, can they make can they swing the trade for the disgruntled, high-paid player someplace else and bring him here? Well, the Cardinals did that with Nolan Arenado to get him out of Colorado. Can can the Marlins? Go out and make the big giant free agent splash. Sign a guy. Hey, here's and yeah, it's there's so few players that deserve 250 million dollars plus. But if there's one out there that could very much be the difference between the Marlins being fringe playoff team at the the final seed, the final was it the eighth seed in the National League to World Series contender, would they be able to pull the trigger on it? Or are they just good with, hey, we can get to 81 wins and maybe that'll get us through? I I have no, I I don't, I don't know if they, they will do that, but I feel like if they had an extra revenue stream, they just might, they just might, and not in a weird way where they did with Giancarlo Stanton. They just backloaded his contract and uh, just so we could unload him to the Yankees who could pay that backloaded portion. <sighs> but uh, with, uh, let's say, uh, the, the, it was about 11,000 people at the game that I went to. They had 31,000 on opening day. And yes, the Marlins haven't had 30,000 people at the stadium in years. Years outside of outside of concerts and the World Baseball Classic, but for the Marlins themselves, it's been a long time since they had 30,000 people. I might actually have to look that up just to figure out when was the last time this baseball team had 30,000 people at a game. (laughs) Damn, I may not... Sheesh... I have to go to probably the 2017, some probably the 2017 season, and maybe like opening day for that season. But I can't imagine anything after that until this opening day. Um, Marlins have a ways to go. It is hopefully they can start to do something with that ballpark. Hopefully, it comes at the same time as improvements to the actual team. Because some people were complaining on Twitter that all oh, the Marlins had 31,000 on Game One and uh, of the uh, the home stand for the home opener, and and the players were talking about man, they loved having that giant crowd and all that stuff. And then we had 11,000 the next time. They're like, oh, things are back to normal. And, oh, man, how come people don't go and support these guys? And I'm just like, look, I don't blame South Florida at all for being apprehensive with the Marlins. I really don't. After having gone through the same thing with the Panthers, the Florida Panthers and the Marlins are very much kindred spirits. They they both came from Wayne Huizenga's womb. They are both in that same boat of early success, let's say their first 10 years of existence, 
regards to uh, an established fan base and then lots of moves that just whittled away the casual fan base around South Florida and just leaving a very strong core following hardcore fans that like me gone through a lot but man we're still here and we're still waiting for the new days of glory the Florida Panthers finally have broken through they, they have a team that can win the Stanley Cup if everything can go right they can do it and now people are starting to show up they're averaging 15,000 plus at this point and as much as that doesn't sound like a lot for a lot of other NHL fans, it's still around 84% of capacity of that building. So it's not empty. A lot of people say it's empty, but it's not empty. It's not empty. And back in, let's, I think it was the 2013-14 season, they had to, they had to close off portions of the upper deck because they were not going to sell them. And they reduced capacity to that of that place to about I would say 14,000. It's a 20 it it, it could fit a standing room only 20,000 people could fit in that building. Or 19,400 something I think that's the official capacity size, but it's a big building for it's one of the biggest buildings in the NHL. And It's, it's been hard for the Panthers to sell out that place. Their best season uh, tickets, I mean, attendance-wise, since they moved in to that uh, Sunrise was their opening season there in 1998-99. And since then, it's been a struggle. They've, they've, uh, I think one season they had 16,000, but it's been a struggle. But now. They, they, the, the Panthers finally put up. Now the fans are coming in. They need a Stanley Cup run, though. They really do. They really, really do. And heck, I, 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 I don't think it's just they, we just need a Stanley Cup run, like just make it to the finals. We gotta win the damn thing. If the Panthers win the Stanley Cup, legitimately win the whole freaking thing. This place is going to go wild. You couple that with, uh, I think if the Miami Heat also go on a massive run and just like this whole civic pride down here, or if the Heat lose out and then everybody can keep their focus on the Panthers. I've said this before, and I, I think uh, for the Panthers, their, their best case scenario is for all the teams down here to be great or just them to be great. Because if there was just them being great, then everybody could be like, well, we've got the Panthers. If everybody's being great, it's like, man, we're, we're great at everything down here. Baseball, hockey, football, basketball. I mean, that's kind of how people feel in Los Angeles right now. With the Lakers and the Dodgers and the Rams. And even the LA Kings are, are back to actual contention. So... The Marlins and the people in South Florida here, I 
I honestly think, as much as they've won two World Series, I honestly think this is the hardest organization to turn around in baseball. You can include teams, the two teams that don't have stadiums, which are the Rays and the A's, but the Rays and the A's actually put out teams that compete. They may tear them down maybe after three or four years, but then they build them back up after two years and they're back to contention for three or four years again. The Rays, the Rays, the only thing the Rays are missing is a stadium in Tampa. That's all they're missing. If they get that, that franchise is set, much like the Lightning are, much like the Buccaneers are. The A's are pretty much the same way. They get a stadium, whether it's in Vegas or in Oakland, they are on par with any other team in that American League West. Now they have the the organizational talent of, of finding people, uh, great players uh, on a low budget, and they could couple it with the actual stadium people will go to, new revenue streams, and paying to keep some guys for once. The Marlins' job is harder than the Mariners' job. The Mariners have, a, have the longest postseason drought in North American sports history. And yet, the Mariners have a really good relationship with their fans. They had a miracle run in 1995 to save the team. They had one of the greatest players of all time playing for them in Ken Griffey Jr., one of the greatest pitchers of all time in Randy Johnson pitching for them. Then another great player of all time plays for them in Ichiro. And as much as they've, they've had a lot of mediocre to bad teams, they're, they're, they're on the upswing again. And the Seattle fans are really loyal. The, the Mariners haven't really screwed them over. It's just been bad management, but not to the catastrophic sense where the Marlins tore down two World Series teams. The, the first team, the 97 team, was a teardown that took about two years. But the initial portion of the teardown was very severe. Because that happened within months. All right? the, the, sec, the, the 98 season didn't end, and that most of that team was gone. And the guys that were there were just the guys that they had contract control over are just low money guys. That's it. And then the 2003 team, the t- they they waited about two seasons before the teardown. They they competed through 2005, kept the guys, and they could because those guys were on the contract for the most part. They got rid of the guys that they knew they they couldn't afford to keep, like Derek Lee. And, and Pudge Rodriguez, he didn't choose to sign. He was going to get money elsewhere. And he got his ring at that point. But the Marlins just kept... They... they, they, they the 2000, after 2005, they began the teardown. And they only really... They just kept uh, Miggy, Miguel Cabrera, and Don Trell. And then, even then, two seasons later, those guys were gone too. And it was over. So, yeah, in, in 
in four years, that entire team was gone. That entire team was gone. So, uh, usually, usually, a championship team like that will keep one guy. One guy that's willing to be there and he's, he's the old guard, he becomes the old guard and is the, the line that, 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 that he's, he's the, that link that, that connects the, those championship days to hopefully the next era of great baseball. Let's say the St. Louis Cardinals with, and the Cardinals have done a great job with this, with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright together. Uh, bridging that thing, that, that the string of teams from 2006, 2011, and now 2022. And guess who's back for the Cardinals? Albert Pujols. You know, it's it's uh, and the Marlins just have never had that. Never had that. Heck, we don't even have it with with our broadcasters. We had two guys, Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton. And for whatever reason, ownership, they say that it was the decision of Fox Sports or Valley Sports now. But you know that ownership, if they wanted to, they could have gone up to those guys at the the production uh, studios and just been like, guys, you got it. No, we're, we're keeping these. These two guys are our broadcasters. You know why they have control over it? Because on their official websites, on all the major league teams, they have their broadcasters as part of the organizational chart. So you don't tell me that it was a decision by those guys. No, it was a decision by the team to not keep certain guys. Marlins didn't even keep that. The, the, the current broadcasters... The fans hate the broadcasters the Marlins have. Our, 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 our play-by-play guy and our color analyst, it's just been a, uh, a revolving door of color analysts at this point for, for the Marlins. We can't find a set guy. And we, we finally were able to uh, coax Tommy Hutton out of retirement just for some semblance of familiarity for us, for us fans. And you know damn well they did it for us because we were not happy. Tommy Hutton is in his 70s now, and he he's not broadcasting every home game. He's just he's probably going to do a few games per year, some, some spot starts, let's just say. He's probably not going to go on the road. But other teams... And, other teams, Tommy Hutton should have been able to retire in dignity. The Marlins should have kept Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton. Tommy Hutton would retire, Rich Waltz would get a new partner, and we go from there. But that's not what happened. So, Billy the Marlin doesn't look the same. <laughs> as much as it's something that seems so trivial, Marlins fans hang on as for dear life for a lot of things because we don't have much to hang on to. We don't. The Marlins just replaced the little dinky-ass flags, faux flags that we had to, to, uh, to, to commemorate the two World Series championships 
with actual real banners that say World Series Champions in big, gigantic letters with the 97 World Championship logo on one, the 2003 on the other one, big, giant 97-2003. And you can see it from the upper deck in the furthest, furthest, furthest part of the ballpark. You can see them now. Something that would seem trivial. Oh, we're just too little. No, we wanted something that could show, hey, this team actually did something once. Twice, actually. The team was actually good. Acknowledge it, because it's all that we have. Okay, every ownership group tries to come in here and try and uh, make their own mark. We want our own logo. We want our own thing. No! You don't get to do that now. After all this... Sh- and, and look, he, like Sherman wasn't responsible for all the shit that Loria put us through and all that shit that Wayne Huizenga put us through. But... But this isn't... This isn't your team as much as you write the checks for it. It's not. The the one the thing that I've uh, I admire is the, from the Florida Panthers owners, um, uh, John Viola and Doug Sifu. When Viola came into ownership of the Panthers, who were of course <laughs> in as much turmoil as the as the Marlins were, without a World uh, a Stanley Cup championship, they had one shot at a Stanley Cup, but they never won it and in a non-traditional market, no less, because, heck, baseball is played down here. A lot of players come out of South Florida playing for Major League teams. So it's really, really even more strange that the Marlins can't seem to get it together. But for the Panthers, even more of an uphill climb with a non-traditional sport that's really being propped up uh, and was promoted here because of just so many snowbirds from up north that come down here. New York and Boston and Canada. The John Viola said that he didn't really consider himself as the owner of the Florida Panthers, more that he he and Doug Sifu were the stewards of the Florida Panthers. Like they yes, they bought the team and write the checks and everything like that but that they are very much just helping to steer the ship hoping that it goes someplace in the right direction and let's see we're about almost about 10 years since he bought the team and I think we're we're finally at a point where we're like yeah the what he said has been pretty much the experience of the Panthers. He's, they've been a steward of the team, and they've had bumps, but it's not for lack of trying. The Panthers have... This, these guys have spent money on this team, on that Florida Panthers team, okay? They're not a salary floor team. They're not spending the minimum. The Marlins aren't spending the minimum in Major League Baseball either, but they're not, they're not even in the middle either. Now, I think it would be a little ridiculous for us 
uh, Marlins fans to want them to spend like the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or the Los Angeles Dodgers. But and I, I keep going back to this team. The very least the Marlins can be the St. Louis Cardinals, right around the middle. The Cardinals, good scouting. They sign the players they need to sign. They keep the players they need to keep. They're a well-run organization, and they're a model baseball franchise, especially especially for small markets out there. The Cardinals are amazing. They're what teams like the Marlins should aspire to be. Guess what? The Marlins play in a bigger market than St. Louis. But they've done so much damage that it doesn't even really matter right now. And that's the uphill climb that the Marlins have. This SG Mini has been more my assessment of the Marlins situation. But I feel like I needed to speak about this here and this. That way I don't have to go on a massive rant during the show. I feel like this is my rant here. And, well, I think that's it for me with this Sports Goose Mini. I think this is going on about a little longer than normal. But, hey, it's not like a full episode. We should be back in about, let's say, a week and a half. That's what I'm aiming for. I have some ideas as to what I want to do for the show. Visually, for the live version of it, you're not going to see it in the podcast version, obviously, but... And these are... The SG Minis are exclusive to the audio version. I'm not going to upload them to YouTube. It doesn't make any sense for me to do so. But... Yeah, the live version is going to be a... I'm going to try and see if I can do something. I'm not sure if I'll be able to pull it off in time. However, it's an idea. It's an idea. I'm trying to change a little bit the format of the show. Because we've gone on... And heck, I might as well ramble on about this. We've gone on about... Uh, with 136 episodes, a few specials here and there with drafts and and bowl extravaganzas and playoff hockey extravaganza, which I haven't really been able to do this year, and it's mainly because and really didn't really do it last year either. It's because the schedules have still been off because of COVID, and now the war in Ukraine. I don't even want to fucking talk about the KHL because fuck those guys. Um. But we've had an evolution of the show, and I feel like we're ready for the next evolution of it, uh, the next stage of the show. The ne- uh, we've had the same setup, uh, I guess, for the last year or so uh, that I that I've made changes to, and I think I, I can utilize a lot of it. But it's just. What I really want to do is create an actual studio, a virtual studio, if you will. I've been watching this guy, Rogue Internet Man, and he's got something like that. Uh, it's something I hadn't really seen. Other people have actual studios, and I don't like the format of uh, 
four guys with their webcams, and that's all you see, and you just see them talking. I really don't like that setup at all. I feel like that's always a bit amateurish, even though even the uh, actual professional sports media personalities use that format for their own personal podcasts and things. Uh, of course, we're not going to do like a Pat McAfee thing where he has an actual studio. That's that's hard to do. But a virtual studio with act- like actual arts that I can do and make an actual studio that kind of creates a personality for us, uh, it's just going to take some time and I just haven't had time to set it up. And I'm the only one who works on the show. Outside of the show, <laughs> so it's it's all on me, and I'm not gonna pay someone to do it for me. Because remember, the show is not <laughs> the, the 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 purpose of Sports Goose is to not be a serious sports show. It was that, but it's evolved into something else, and really, I can't. It's starting to a point where we I can't really pinpoint it. The ambiguity is really permeating through. And I I love the line that Charles made uh, maybe last episode or a couple episodes back saying that this is ultimately what he wanted the show to become. (laughs) And and it's becoming that. And uh, I'm, I'm glad about that, honestly. I feel like... People who are doing solely sports-centric stuff are not... Are, uh, I mean, unless they find their own niche audience, but... I don't know, a lot of people want to be the next big sports media personality, the next John Boy, and... Really, there's no... I, I don't think I can aspire to be that. I don't really want to be that, to be honest. I, I don't think it's really my goal. Uh, Sports Ghost is made just for fun. And it's really been my my whole thing, my whole internet persona. Every time I try to take the internet seriously, it starts to not be fun and it can bite me in the ass. So when you stop taking the internet seriously... And just let it be the, the the silliness that it can be. It becomes fun. And suddenly, putting on the show is fun. And that's really the reason why we've lasted this long. I have fun talking to Andrew. I have fun talking to Charles. I have fun every time Andrew can get us a guest. I have fun when we have no idea what the heck we're even going to talk about. I have fun when we have an actual idea of what the heck we're going to talk about. And uh, and I also like the fact that occasionally, when serious matters do show up, we have we have an avenue for us to air our thoughts on real things that really matter. Uh, I'm so glad this show exists. Um, We've had a little bit of everything at this point. 
we've had a bit of the taste of the, the more successful shows and podcasts that are out there. We've gone, we, we, we trudged through like the other lowly shows out there. But the fact that we've lasted is really the thing that I'm most proud of. That we've lasted this long. And that there's no end in sight. And I've never, I've never really thought about an end to the show. I don't even know what would constitute an end to the show. Probably something extreme, I would say. I don't want to really think about it. Because it it would be something really serious in the extreme sense. But that would probably be the the end of the show. would be something extreme like that because... uh, I, I don't know if I, I would want to do the show with some element of me or Charles or Andrew missing. Um, and I don't want to make a decision like that unilaterally either. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be something that I would need to converse with them. If, ever, if, they, if any one of them ever wanted to drop out and just they just don't want to do it anymore, that would I, I have to respect their wishes. Of course, I can't force them to be on air, but but uh, then then would be some some question marks there, right? Heck, what would happen if I wanted to stop doing the show, but they wanted to keep doing it? There could be that situation. And if that was the case, I would mo- I I'd just hand the show off to Andrew. I think I would. Um, I, I think he he would take up that mantle. Um, he's got he's got the the equipment to do it now. He's got an actual real good computer that could handle the show. Um, that 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 could handle the show. That could. He could take it in a different direction. Uh, it'd be like uh, like the Tonight Show, right? It could be that too. It could be like the Tonight Show, where you know, hey, Johnny Carson is handing it off to Jay Leno, and then Jay Leno is uh, begrudgingly handing it off to Conan O'Brien, and then <laughs> Jay Leno comes back, and Conan O'Brien goes out, and then Jay Leno willingly hands it off to uh, Jimmy Fallon, and here we are, right? And then, and then I, I go off and do my own show, like apart from sports goofs. I have no idea. Uh, but it could be like that too, where we just hand the show off to somebody else and they just take it over. It might even be one of us. It might just be, hey guys, we have a property. Uh, it's trademarked. It's all this, and we have logos and copyrights and things. We. He, We'll sell it to you. How much is sports groups worth? Not even sure. Not even sure how much the show is worth. That's a lot of accounts to hand over too. Yeah. That's a lot of accounts to hand over too. Because we're we're not just a podcast and just the litany of podcast apps that we're on. We're also on Twitch and YouTube and D Live and got a TikTok which I I need to start paying attention to more. Just, there's not there's not enough time, and I, I um, this is 
me more rambling, rambling on about this show, but it's kind of like a state of the show as well. Um, uh, where was it? Where was it going with this thought? But um, I don't even know where I was going with this thought. Yeah, the state of the show. There's it's just not enough time to do everything. Uh, I, I I have thought if I ever did come into a lot of money, like a like a ridiculous amount of money, I would stop practicing law for for a bit, maybe not forever, but for a bit, and solely focus on sports. Goods. <laughs> I, I would be like, what if I could do this for a year, legitimately, like actually make a studio make an actual studio, get Charles and Andrew their own equipment and stuff to make a studio in their own homes, and we we just try and make a real show, we, we have an actual marketing person going out there and trying to make this a thing, that would be, that would be weird, just like, I don't know, like, if I could put $100,000 into the show, how could it change? How how would that move the needle? Because it's like, we just need an established fan base of about, like, 500 people, and I think this show would just be, like, perpetual from there on out. Like, 500 people is enough to be like, yeah, that's a consistent, and then you can fluctuate uh, from there. <laughs> Oh man, that that would be pretty funny to me. That would be pretty funny to me. Um, but uh, the show being taken seriously—I don't know. There are points where we do take it seriously, and when we have guests on the show, of course, we have to be nice and cordial. But when it's just us, I, I don't know. It's just fun. It's just fun. I. I um, it's just something that, like, I, I think about myself in middle school or high school. And maybe even the guys think about this as well. Like, guys, could you imagine if we had our own show? And that's not how I spoke in high school, but... But it's like, could you imagine if we had our own show and we did it weekly and... Wow, the moon is huge tonight. Uh, we did it <laughs> weekly and, 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 you know, people listened in and we actually had like actual guests on and, and things like like honestly a lot of the things that I've done in sports have been dreams come true I've I, 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 I've done I've been credentialed NHL media something that people go out and study for and I just stumbled upon something like that I mingled with players I've and owners and and, and I, I've uh, and I've met some pretty cool people and, and done really great things and um, and the show is kind of the I don't know it, it symbolizes a lot of those things that I'm, I'm kind of I'm really grateful for um, the fact that it exists is not 
is a feat in, in and of itself. Because there was a point where the show could have ended. There have been a couple points like that where it could have ended. Pandemic, the show could have ended. The show could have been like, hey, we, we, um, we just can't do it. Nothing's going on. We're not getting listenership. It's becoming a hassle. You guys have your own things to worry about. I got my own things to worry about. You know? Uh, work has always been an impeding factor for all of us. Uh, my own things, uh, uh, own personal feelings uh, with my life had me thinking about ending my participation in the show. But I worked my way through that. And and yet we're here. And I, I've told the guys how incredibly proud I am of, of the fact that we're here. And, and I'm lucky that I get to do this with three friends. Or with, with these two friends. And uh, There are a lot of people out there that don't have this. So it's, it's much appreciated. There's a lot of people who nobody listens to whether in their actual lives or on their online personalities. And we have it. So, I thank everybody who has listened to this. Even if it's just one sole, solitary human being out there that listens to us, we're thankful. We're grateful. We're um, much appreciated. We hope that we've entertained you. We hope that you'll come back or you'll talk to other people about it. And if you don't, then we'll at the very least hope you had a good time with us. And we'll just await the next time somebody else does listen to us. And um, So this next season that's coming up, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really good. Uh, I can't wait to see what we're going to talk about. There's um, some changes that are going to be made. and I th- But change is good. Change is good. We've, we've steadily evolved during all of this. And, and some of it has been subtle changes that we haven't really been noticing. But uh, some of it has been uh, just... Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's almost like the trajectory of what was sent in Philadelphia, just how how some aspects of ourselves are getting a little more extreme or and the lore, the actual in-show lore. I like that there is an in-show lore. If I had more time, hell, I would make a Wikipedia for us. A wiki, a wiki of uh, of our show, uh, to make articles about certain aspects of the show. <laughs> There's no time for that. I ain't, I ain't got time for that. Uh, that that'd be really stupid. Along that, that would go up there along the fact that we have an OnlyFans account that we don't even use. One sole solitary video of me eating a taco that I made. Uh, all right, so I'm done. This has been longer than I thought it would be, but still shorter than an actual regular show. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.